Hello, Chris. How are you? Oh, what up, big dog? Um, I'm pretty good. Uh, insane morning that I can't really talk about, so I will um, just leave you hanging there. Okay, we'll talk. We'll have to talk about your insanity day offline. I love talking offline with you. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just in the middle of of shipping out some more T-shirts. Ah, uh, yes the the how long gone merchandise portal. <laughs> The portal is pumping. Uh, I, I'm really starting to get the hang of shipping, um, while also really starting to get sick of shipping. Well, that's the thing with with skills, Jason. You know, once you get really good at them, you don't like them anymore. But that doesn't mean you should stop. Mm, interesting. I, sh- I mostly shouldn't stop so that you don't have to do it. Jason, look, I've been shipping T-shirts since before you were born. Okay, and. <laughs> You know, I, I'm very good at it, but I also, I don't have access to a printer right now. I mean, I, I don't mind doing it. I, I actually find it somewhat meditative. I do too, actually. Um, I'm, I am, I am actually kind of enjoying it and I am using lots of great resources. Thanks to my friends at the local Glendale UPS, um, UPS store. They love, nice. su- they love supporting the team. They're, they're fans of the show. I'm sure. They're fans of the show. They love to maybe look the other way when it comes to exorbitant charges or, you know, free shipping materials being handed over, you know, without even thinking about it. It's what are they familiar with? Are they just do they just know Big Dog from the neighborhood or like are you just a good customer? I think I'm just probably one of the only people that might be nice to them and and treats them like a, a normal human being or something like that because when I come in they're just like what's up bro like they're really they're really jazzed. So maybe is, everyone in the maybe everyone in the neighborhood is just, you know, treats them like well, the help. That's not that's not how I like to conduct my business though. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I actually when I was in Atlanta I went to the local UPS store near my parents' house and I had an incredible experience like it was it was the most seamless and 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 excellent experience in a in a realm really? that is usually terrifying and awful and i complimented them and i and then i realized they're like oh we're helping out because of covid that's our son our son owns this franchise and his mom and dad were in there helping him and they were the guy was probably 30 damn it was very cool how the rich get richer speaking of the rich getting richer let's talk about jake paul <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought that up um, I, I have been, you know, Jake Paul is not somebody that I ever check for. Um, well, other that's, than, that's, you, that's your loss loser. Uh, I know that's why that. you're not getting the, that's why your big ass ain't getting invited to that fucking hype house. And I am, <laughs> um, I, yeah, but once you arrive, you're not going to do the cool stuff that I would do, like engage in a game of beer pong or, you know. Take some take some shots of 1942 like it's nothing. You know that's the type of stuff that I'm going to be doing at yeah, Jake, at Jake just, Paul's I, Calabasas Mansion. And whereas you will maybe be, you know, asking them what brand of water Jake has in the fridge, and then turning your nose up at the uh, at the result. Actually, I think what I would be doing is leaving with four new clients, um, all <laughs> with with makeup deals from companies we've never heard of. Is is actually what I'd be doing? But that's fine. Either way, I'm winning. Um, so, so you would find four new clients, and and they would let you then manage their social media accounts. I'm assuming, or how does what is that the, one of the services that we're offering? 
Well, probably what I would do is I would manage their career and now I'd farm out the social media services to someone a little less qualified like yourself to handle that side of the business. Damn, dude, the, dude, bro, it's an honor to be <laughs> to be scheduling your Snapchats. Bro, like bro, I think like bro, I, I mean won't this, let you down, man. Bro, I mean this seriously. I mean this like dead serious. Like it, it really means a lot to me that I get to press like send. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's it's cool. I get access to like this nine year old's DMs and I can see like all the you know, a peek behind the curtain and everything and it's fr- it's fucking exciting, man. I think it's a good look. It is a good look because Jason, you know, we all have to start somewhere, you know. And if if the mailroom at CAA is closed, then fucking cleaning Jake Paul's sniper rifle is a great job. <laughs> well, <laughs> what I want to know is okay because like he got he got in trouble. I saw because you know he he's always getting in trouble for something. He had he had a big house party that had like a forklift there, and then sick, he would so have sick. like drunk college kids like hanging off of the edge of the forklift and then he would lift it up and and he would just fling their uh their 17 year old bodies around a backyard and then the you know the neighbors would complain about noise and then he who are the neighbors <laughs> no, he got no neighbors in, in calabasas and then he got in trouble because he wasn't paying he like owed millions in taxes and then whatever he, he man got, which, god and then he got popped for like looting or trespassing during the the protest in in Scottsdale Arizona but, you know Jake Paul is the Scottsdale of people i would say but well, like Scotts- what what do you what do you have to do to get you know the military to show up like you know like a tank of marines you know dozens of them to pull up and basically bust your gate down and raid your shit with AR-15s. What what are you doing to get that to get that type of action? Like, is it is it going to be some like crazy ass shit? I've heard. Yes, I've heard that he is possibly selling drugs and also possibly trafficking uh, like pornography underage. <laughs> <laughs> and and you have heard these from your insider sources, or is this page six gossip? What, what how uh, you know how rock solid are these are these claims that you're making? Um, every claim I make is rock solid. That's a cornerstone of my brand. Okay. Um, I, Can I, you reveal your sources? Is what I'm asking. This information is out there. Is all I'll say. Okay. Okay. So, but, so he might be selling drugs, moving guns, de- and. I, and I, child porn? I, well, I mean, child porn in the way that it's like he might have sex with a 16-year-old. You know right, what I mean? Right, I, I, right. Don't, I, don't, I don't think but, – but what I think is actually happens with guys like this, like white suburban guys, no shots at myself or you. Um, <laughs> but I think he's like rich, but it's like not cool enough anymore. So he has this fantasy of doing something actually illegal, which is what he's doing now. Like I think like – Having crazy guns and selling drugs when you don't need to is purely like a a I want to be someone I'm not, even though I'm rich. It's like boring now. I need more. Do you do you think this is this a is this a classified disorder or is this something that's emerging right now? Like, and will it be named after somebody like like Lou Gehrig's disease or something? Will it be mm, Jake you know, Paul disease? Because the other he's not the first person to. To do, you know, Bieber and Chris Brown, bless his heart. You know, these people are are, are are talented content creators who have, 
millions of dollars and fans and and all that stuff not good enough they have to do crimes they have to break the law they got to be bad boys or bad girls or or bad people just to get a thrill you know he could he could be suffering from that he's definitely suffering from that i mean if you you he went to japan and basically you know yeah committed like a an unspeakable crime to you know culturally um mhm but what's I mean? He was doing more, some graveyard pranks, exactly. But Jason, as we both know, what's more, what's more thrilling than moving a fucking brick? You know what I'm saying? What's more thrilling than getting eighteen five for the low? Tell him holler. You know what I mean? What's <laughs> what is what is better than that, Jason? As a former drug dealer, I'm sure you could give us some insight. Yeah, the feeling of moving, you know, sixteen zips um, <laughs> across state lines and getting away with it is. You can't put it into words. By 16 zips, Jason means meeting a guy that looks like Logan Paul in a parking lot and giving him a bag of oregano for $100 in Huntington Beach. Yeah, um, it, the zip means, uh, you know, ounces in other places of the world. But in, in Orange County, it does mean it does mean a gram of mid. And, and it is in exchange for some type of, like, it's the, the money is not being exchanged. I'm getting like a nice assortment of like board shorts and like <laughs> and some tanks and stuff like that. Bro, look, bro, look. I I stole this shit from Hurley. I'll trade you for a bag yeah. of it. <laughs> this may or may not have fallen off the back of a Volcom truck. We don't want to. You know, I don't want to get into the details, but yeah, it's it's new shit. I hate you. Um. Yeah. So ho- I mean, what? Do we want Jake Paul to go to jail, you know, federal prison for decades? Will that, what will that do for the world? Will that make other people think twice before they behave this way or nothing, nothing will change? Bro, hell no, (laughs) man. Hell no. White people wanting to commit crimes to feel cooler is, is too deeply embedded in our culture. Yeah. Like Jake Paul, I mean, the reason it's so problematic is because Jake Paul doesn't need to do it. When you're committing crimes because you're destitute and you've been oppressed for 200 years, then that, to me, is a very different situation than a white guy being like, look at these guns I got, baby. Mm-hmm. I sold, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, he's, he doesn't have any kids at home crying all alone on the bedroom floor because they're <laughs> hungry. <laughs> and the only way to feed him is to... You know, sell a, a sniper rifle for a little bit of money to to pay no, the Calabasas no. rent. No, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It's all like depressing cosplay of like him watching Goodfellas too many times. Do you think there's a decent chance that he's him and his team are excited about this? Uh, you know, in a way to spin it to get him some more street cred. Like he's looking forward to to becoming like a real actual criminal to get the respect from, no, from Kodak no. Black and, and, and Jason, like a YouTube, no one's ever going to sp- respect a YouTuber. That's the bottom line. Like you could be like, Oh, you make bank. That's cool. You're making a lot of money, but respect, I don't think is a word that gets thrown around in the YouTube community that often. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that he is necessarily going to get the respect, but he might think that this could be an opportunity to get one to get respect. Well, he, yeah, I mean, he is dumb. So that is quite possible. And I think his team is like his parents. So who knows? Don't come for t- team. What is it? Team ten? Tap ten? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we should know more about this stuff, but no, I don't. Care. Not really. 
Well, as members, as, as esteemed members of the media, I feel like this is an important subject that gets brought up a lot. Yeah, we. I mean, we don't want to know about it, but it's part of our job. Exactly. So that's what, what we know. About. I mean, that's what we know. We know enough. I think. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully he does get life in prison, and uh, and and maybe we'll have like some kind of cool party or celebration for it. The fact that maybe he will worry. get suicided, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get I'm gonna get invited to a hype house style party before I leave Los Angeles. That's my only goal. Are you gonna so, attend it though? Hell yeah, baby! I'll put on my mask. I'm turning up. They're they're gonna think that you're someone's dad, though. You know that? Bitch, I don't care. They don't <laughs> they don't need to know what I'm doing there. I'm the ops, baby. I'm just in there checking it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I I need to know what these guys are doing. Undercover black. Yeah, I'm undercover, but for the culture, I would never call the feds. Are you going to tell people that you work for Instagram? No. That you maybe that you <laughs> you're you're there to hand out um, beta testing accounts for Instagram Reels. Dan, that's a good idea, actually, for us to go undercover. That's how we should go to the um, to Hillsong. We pull up in the Range Rover and say we're there from Instagram to introduce the church to to Reels. <laughs> we have an exciting opportunity for you and your parish. <laughs> hi i am jason and this is my <laughs> colleague chris we have an interesting opportunity for your parish to grow its viewership on the platform instagram it's gonna be like jehovah's witness but we got yeezys on <laughs> <laughs> yeah we come to your door right but we drip in it's, so you it's jehovah's fit pics is what we are <laughs> that's a good idea damn we're just giving this shit away it's bullshit um i know Co-host Jason, we do have a guest today, uh, mm. a, fr- a friend of mine from the great city of New York. Um, her name is Caitlin Thompson. She is the the co-founder of Racket, uh, the best magazine about tennis that exists. Mm. Um, and she also co-hosts the Racket Magazine podcast um, that is that is quite popular in the community as well. Um, we we were getting so many questions from you idiots about tennis, and Jason and I are are merely amateurs. Mm-hmm. So we des- we decided we thought it'd be better to bring on an expert and just really grill her about the sport, the gear, you know, what we should be doing as players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just get get some inside tips. Yeah, you 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 asked for uh, a trusted source from Big Tennis, and we deliver. We deliver big tennis, and and Agassi said he would come on next week, but he was like a little unavailable. So Caitlin is is filling in. <laughs> All right, let's let's give her a call, please. Uh, okay. I put a shirt on for you today, pussy. I'm glad we're recording that. Um, <laughs> thank you for for finally putting a shirt on. It's the least I could do because if I'm going to do that, you should be paying me five dollars a month. It's a sh- it's a shame because I do really like capturing the. The organic moment where our host discovers that you record these shows um, with the titties out. But yeah, sounds good. Are you an actual long-term listener, Kaylin? I mean, as long as you've been around. so That mm. is pretty long. That is pretty long. I mean, life What is are we, like 40 episodes in or something, guys? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you said long-time listener. We're at 63. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I guess having now. like a kid and a full-time job just says you know my my listening time we don't uh, I, pro- I i chris has a full-time job and i have a kid and we're podcasting with him so <laughs> it's no problem for us have you been are you in new york at this very precise moment i'm in coastal new jersey my son is theoretically in a outdoor 
YMCA camp here all week where my mother-in-law has a little beach pad. However, there was a hurricane and it knocked out power. So we are here for no reason. If Jersey couldn't get any worse, now we got no fucking juice too, huh? It's pretty um, true detective season one. (laughs) Mm. But power's out in New York too, right? It's like pretty bad everywhere. Parts of New York. I I don't know. My wife is in the city because she runs an island in New York City and she can't really leave. I'm sorry. So, what what did you just say? She runs an island. She does. That's a little bit of a flex, but she runs Governor's Island. You know, which is like kind of like an arc. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah. I like that phrasing, though. That's a really nice way to put it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I was wondering if it was going to be like an island records type of play on words, but it, Governor's Island didn't they have like a music festival there or something a while ago? Governor's Ball. Governor's Ball, right? Go Gov Ball, bro. Gov Ball. I asked her why they didn't. Why don't they don't have it anymore? I think it's from COVID. It. Just kidding. <laughs> I guess um, it turns out if you have an EDM festival, the deaths just pile up. <laughs> yeah, Jason. How dare Jason you? Jason knows as a member of the EDM community, Jason's very familiar with all the deaths surrounding the culture. Yeah, but our, our our ravers are dying doing what they love. <laughs> They're not getting fucking murdered. They're not getting shot. <laughs> they are fucking overdosing on bad ketamine. <laughs> The way that they intended to do it. Exactly. If I mean, and we, that's we should all be so lucky. That's personal freedom at its best, in my opinion. That is, that's mm. what personal freedom really means. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that, yeah. My be, body, my rules. Exactly. Kind of mean overdose. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so how how has the how has the quarantine? Are you a teacher now? Yeah, that's a new skill that I added to my skill set. Mrs. T. How, yeah how how is it going uh i'll be honest with you my kid is having the time of his life how old is he he's just turned six so he's been in kindergarten for the last couple months and now he's obviously in some sort of summer i don't call it summer vacation it's sort of you know time and definitions have sort of lost their meaning but he Mm -hmm. is having a great time he has the attention of two moms a grandma and an aunt, my sister who lives in the city. So he's like wall to wall adult attention, which as an only child who's like pretty nerdy, he's <laughs> fucking like he's now, reading. He's now, so into it. Is this nerddom now? Is that something that you would fault yourself with or do you look at this as a positive? I mean, he has no, first of all, from a maintenance perspective, if you were to tell me, <laughs> when I saw the penis on the sonogram, I'll be totally honest. I was like, what the fuck? Because I don't know how to approach this mentally. Yeah, you, you want to smash penises. that PP patriarchy. Penises, penises in general, or you mean a child with one? Well, I mean more of the latter. Oh, the, the thought of a penis doesn't like repulse me in theory, but more just like how could we possibly be having a boy? This doesn't make any sense. Like the, they did, we got the wrong test result. Like kind of that feeling, you know? They do that for you. It's like the way they would, they would a womanizer, you know, hits 50 and finally has a child and it's a girl, you know, and it yeah. throws him, it, it gives him a, a existential crisis about how he's treated women his whole life. Yeah. God, it's, Jesus Christ deliver us is the challenges that we need in life. Not the ones that we want. True. Exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. It was a, a, a then, then you carried me moment for me. Uh, <laughs> so, they, so I was kind of like, who raised who at the boy? end? Who was raising? So me? you, exactly so right. your child has many, many parental units, all female though. How, um, how are we feeling about that? And I don't mean that in a sexist way whatsoever. No, it's interesting. I do feel, I feel a way about it because mm-hmm. I try to get him some male influence as often as possible. Is that so why you wanted to come on this to... pod? 
that's the selling point. I think we're going to talk about that, right? That's what our well, Uncle Chris is available. Yeah. Uncle Chris is available at all times to talk about like sneakers and women, you know, important stuff. You know, yeah. from a male perspective, and, and he will—he will throw the old—he uh, will pl- play catch or throw the baseball around if you can secure the uh, Bottega Veneta catcher's glove. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. if you're looking There's for a, a, you know a, a broy activity. Well, I was asking because I was I was raised by all females, and huh. I did not turn out so great. So, just a a word of caution, didn't, you know? Didn't you? I, mean, I, dis- I disagree, Jason. I think you have a pretty good. I think you have. No, a I was being. I was being sarcastic. That was a, that I think was you joke. have a pretty nice way about you, though. But I never thought about that because my dad was pretty. I mean, my parents were like equally involved in my life in a way that I feel like doesn't happen anymore. Um, in a good way. In a in yeah, a yeah. I mean, I, ha- I have like I had the most idyllic upbringing. Like I feel bad about it sometimes. <laughs> You're like I don't want to rub it in. Yeah, all, all of, any Chris trauma is created by Chris himself. Uh, I can't even blame my parents on it, which is an interesting. An interesting. I feel like a lot of people cannot relate to that. Um, it's true. Although I should say, like after like the eighth year of therapy, you're kind of like you're bored with your own therapist and yourself. That's being, true. Like, it's That's your parents true. again. You're like, ah, oh, come on. Truly, <laughs> really, at this moment, just throw me a curveball where you're like, just I can't talk. Else. About- no, are you like, oh, it was the clown that you like saw at the fucking state fair. Like, that's where all this that, is it has just to, like it has to be it deeper. It has to be deeper. Are oh, you it's, um it's are you you're not from New York though, right? Are you from I know you lived in Montreal, but are you, you're not Canadian, are you? You are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you so mum about that? <laughs> I, it's a good question. I have been having a lot of conversations with my wife about how we need to make a run for the border and I need to get them in as refugees. Uh, um, except she refuses. You did not bless your bride with a green card or a passport. You can't. I can't, I could not. Why? I can only apply for her residency permit and then ultimately green card from within the state of Canada. We would have to be living there for her to get oh, citizenship. Looks like it's yeah. time to get a nice little two bedroom condo in downtown Edmonton. Well, exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. The top of my list is Edmonton. You know, that's well, the right latitude. That's the right latitude for where I really want to be. Calgary is available as well for you, I'm sure, but I just, you know, I, I don't think that the, the, the scene's quite as good. I kind of like I, Calgary. It, nothing is worse than Edmonton. Sorry, Edmonton stands out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you had to pick, you would pick Calgary. Although, you know, our bro Tyler Brule is little <laughs> known fact from Winnipeg, which I, I feel like is the best Fun what, fact about what Tyler do you Brule. what do you know about Tyler Brule? Have you had a lot of dealings with him, or you just know him from his work? I mean, it's. I feel like we've. I hope. I how to how to phrase this. I don't know as much as I'd like. Has society moved past the need for Tyler Brule? Never. Is, <laughs> is is this no. is Tyler? He's is he like a like a makeup personality no. or is it a, is, is that the, a drag name he, yeah he's a famous drag performer from edmonton uh no he is the founder and editor-in-chief of monocle which last mm. week he, he writes this he writes this really kind of classically out of touch uh letter from the editor style column every sunday for their newsletter mm-hmm. he used to he used to write that for the financial times but they he kept plugging his clients so they had to pull it <laughs> <laughs> so, which I think is sick, for, personally. But he I, smoke him if you got him. Like if you got that kind of gig, like I agree. On. He he wrote last week. He basically wrote like a cops rule 
he basically was, he basically told his story about the cops coming to some gathering they were having and being very nice to him and all his rich white friends and how yeah. we need to discuss how cops are, are not that bad. It's basically what the, my takeaway from are, is, is, and I mean, is this a satirical column? No, no, no. His whole thing feels satirical because it's so out of touch. It's not. He 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 doesn't possess sarcasm being a Canadian native. So sarcasm <laughs> is very true. hard that's, that's, for us. That's true. Sarcasm is very hard for us to pick up. It's like a language that we just can't really get our brains around. I say this totally candidly. We are we can't do it. I have a hard time with sarcasm as well. Truly. Mm-hmm. So Tyler Brule, the story of him and what I will share with you if in the event that you don't know it, everything Chris said is is also true. I would add his real name is Tyler Brule. <laughs> like Steve Brule. Yeah, like Steve Brule. <laughs> oh the only thing funnier than being named brule is to intentionally change it and add an accent mark on that e to make it a little bit more spicier he added the little chapeau (laughs) you and an accent on the e his dad was tyler uh, mark brule or something who was like a canadian football player and they're from like you know, the middle of Canada is essentially like our, you know, like energy. It's like our Dallas. It's like our, our, yeah. you know, Oklahoma oil fields. It's not, you know, cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. you know. I, I appreciate the level of reinvention that he has gone oh, through. It's a complete Gatsby. So he, the getting shot in Afghanistan in the leg, which some dispute if that even happened, creating wallpaper, moving to London. Damn. I think Tyler not unlike Rillet Megan the Stallion, like cops, because Tyler Relay has never spent any time in America. He's only encountering cops in Canada, London, and like Geneva, where he lives yeah. now. No, he doesn't even live in Geneva. He lives in fucking Samaritz. Like, what are the cops doing in Samaritz? Yeah, they're, they're, they're not they're, pro- profiling the, you for driving while black. I can tell you. No, that. no, the police force in Saint Moritz is probably small and unfocused. I've been I've been treated very well by the mounted police. I don't know what all the uh, all <laughs> yeah. the hubbub is about. I mean, right. I, I think you have a very good point there. But when you're the head of a gigantic media corporation, you should be able – I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of workplace environment they have there. But it seems like the kind of place where you can't really tell him shit. You know what I mean is, is the vibe? Because if, if Jason said some shit like that, I would crack – I would be like, bro, you can't, we can't do this. No, like we, no, no, we, no. This yeah, is bad for business. We, yeah, yeah like, we need no men as well as yes men. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah everybody does. Tyler Brady does not have that. He has structured his entire company – I think he owns 50% of it. I mean, he is, uh, he's doing whatever the fuck he wants. And for that reason, I am forced to admire him because uh, he has a, a tremendous amount of chutzpah that I don't, I mean, he's incredibly out of touch, but I think maybe it's a, it's well, not sarcastic, but maybe it's a put on. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I anything's possible. I can't tell. I mean, I love, I love the whole thing. I'm, I love that they, when everybody else was making websites, they were like, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to have a terrestrial radio station. You know, Fucking it's me like, too. it's like that shit. And it worked to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all, I mean, I think that time of Monocle being like this thing is kind of over now. It's settled into it just being like a good solid business. I think the spike where it was like truly influencing yeah. things is over, but that's any, that's the way magazines, that's just how things work at this point. You have a, I mean, you listen, know. we started the magazine because of Tyler Brule. Really, Racket. So yes, you, let's talk about the magazine. You sure. are the the co proprietor of Racket. Co proprietor. So David uh, Shaftel and I, longtime friends, uh, short time entrepreneurs, founded this <laughs> thing together. He serves as our editor, and I'm our publisher. Like four years ago, and we did it after a lot of years of friendship. We used to like watch tennis, play tennis. 
we would do kickboxing together. It was very butch, our relationship always. <laughs> we would sort of go out and, you know, get drunk at Johnny's bar a lot. And one day I had read this thing and we'd love tennis. We love, you know, we would share stuff like, you know, on occasion you would read like Ashley Vance writing something amazing in like, you know, Grantland about whatever, Victoria as ranker, or like Wes Morris or, you know, a few yeah. writers here and there would tackle it or somebody would do an amazing, you know, like thing. And we'd be like, fuck, why isn't there like some center of gravity around this? I bet we could do something. What should that something be? And then I actually read about Tyler Brule being all about that magazine life and being like, I don't care about your millions that are going to digital traffic. I don't care about your scale. I don't need it. We're going to make a print magazine and I am going to reach a hundred thousand people, but those hundred thousand people are all going to pay 20 bucks for an issue of the magazine. And by the way, they buy some $800 Japanese umbrella that I curated. Uh, (laughs) And I was kind of like, this guy, that guy. He's on some shit. Yeah, no, I I mean, I agree. I think that the, I mean, I do think that racket fills a void. And I feel like traditionally um, tennis is, is like a, a sport and an activity that does have a higher net worth individual. Pun intended. Um, that that would yes pun intended that that is willing to pay that price especially for something that they might not be able to that, that kind of information is not available anywhere else you guys stand alone to me i mean there's nothing that touches you and i think that is that is the true like that's when you really fill a hole in a market is what sure. i'm trying to say yeah completely i think you know just total transparency like i don't think we're at all geniuses i'm shocked that nobody else is fucking with this honestly like nobody else has figured out the tennis needs like a whole bunch of stuff because there's an underserved market and like yeah there are a bunch of rich people who will pay a premium for anything but also there's like a bunch of cool people who play the sport who kind of like yeah. it i mean look i'm seeing i'm looking at your instagram like who's speaking to you who's inviting you to events who's like curating you yeah. or designing shoes with you or doing that kind of stuff so we kind of saw the opportunity to kind of like hide in a monocle casing something that's a little bit more like a hype beast yeah. um mm. you know it, and maybe that's a data reference but like you know the, the high snobs of the world and these places that are sort of transacting on culture and talking to a younger audience, like nobody has thought to connect the dots with that in this sport. Like tennis has us basically. And well, then like basketball to, has 400 of these. Yeah. Things. Well, yeah. we've talked about this. I mean, you and I've talked about it cause we've been friends for yeah. a few years and we've talked about business a lot and I just don't, why to me, tennis is so ripe to be running. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Where where these the the big sports corporations are pumping money into it and making great stuff, and there's a uh, you, you know it's just it's it's the barrier of entry is fairly low, I think price wise sure. like, co- yeah, compared yeah. to compared to a lot of sports for kids. So why do you think that isn't happening? Is it is it because of the traditional way people see it from afar that it's like a country club sport? Maybe, although you know tennis, and this is one of the things that we try to hit hard. Because, like, the truth is we don't want to be alone. We don't want to be, like, the only sort of – I don't want to call ourselves cool. But we want to be, like, among a brethren of people who are writing and creating and making cool stuff. Because then it wouldn't feel lonely. But then also it could kind of prove the thesis, right? It could prove the market exists. So I think for us, like, we – one of the things we try to hit hard is this notion that, like, oh, tennis used to be fucking dope. And it used to be basically free. Like, the public tennis court boom of the 70s wasn't a bunch of people playing – tennis in private clubs and all whites, right? It was like people getting out there after they like saw Jimmy Connors or like Chris Everett and, and buying, you know, Walmart rackets and, and just having a kind of doing it. And uh, tennis is a little harder than a lot of sports. So it's not something that you can like super easily pick up, which Jason, Jason knows that all too well. Jason, have you been been trying to get out there? 
Jason's a good player. Jason and I play, we, we play probably three or four times a week right now. That's true. I love, I love what I'm hearing. Jason's, but Jason's very tall, so he has an interesting approach to get to the game. He's six foot ten. Jesus six, Christ. Six nine, six nine. I'm sorry, I was giving the basketball height. But so your, your your friend or our mutual friend, Stretch Armstrong, known NYC DJ veteran, we him and I are pretty much the same exact body and height. Wow. I mean he's formidable. He's a good player, but more than anything else, he really uses his like length in a good way. See, I that's the problem, Jason. I I am obviously a greater athlete, but Jason has an, his his approach is just so different that it's hard for me to make headway. You know, he can get to everything without yeah, a lot of physical without a lot of physical work. Well, I think we're going to need to get on a court together. So, <laughs> absolutely, you would like to see, see me beat here. Chris in person, is what you're saying? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> But so I, you're so the, the you're saying though that the sport is I mean how how do how can it be democratized like how does that actually happen is it by people like us just playing and talking about it is that the is that like honestly I think well? that's part of it I mean I yeah. think the the unlike most other sports like tennis is in this weird little category so the sport is hard we just talked about that but yeah, lots of shit's yeah. hard you know so like people figure it out what I would say is kind of the bigger question mark is like it's not big enough that everybody jumped on it and was like oh shit there's a bunch of money we can make here and making it cool and making it democratized and making all the merch and all the access is just a no-brainer and it's also not quite niche enough or new enough for people to feel like they discovered it right mm, like ufc true. all of a sudden is like a thing and it's just people beating themselves up in a cage i am not you know i'm sure it's hard but like it was a new <laughs> sport that happened in our lifetimes like that, totally and that's rare thing. i mean that's rare yeah and, like, I think for tennis, it's kind of been around long enough and people kind of wrote it off. But the truth is, like, the people who run the sport have zero imagination. So all it takes, and we've already seen, you know, and I think our existence is kind of speaks to this. Like, all it takes is for a few people to kind of show, like, oh, this can work. Here's how. And then, you know, because I shouldn't say we're the only people in the whole space. Like, there's now some podcasts, certainly a lot of companies that are, like, startups, whether it's clothing or shoes or merch or whatever, who are kind of recognizing the opportunity. There's a couple, they're on the up. And like, all it takes is a little bit of a cohort. And then all of a sudden you go to the US Open and you look around the media room and it's not like a bunch of dusty guys from, you know, Mm -hmm. London, which is mostly what it is now, like asking sexist questions of the players. All of a sudden it's like, oh, look, there's the guy from GQ. There's the guy from Deadspin, RIP, you know, or, or, um, you know, the new iteration of Deadspin or whatever it is. Like we're close to having that actually. And I think when that happens it's going to see its sort of potential. Like, I don't know that it'll ever be the NBA, but it doesn't need to be. All it needs to be is this thing that people realize is fun and has always been on the right side of gender, race, and well, that's what actually I was gonna, in a lot of ways, like trans, mm-hmm. right? Like tennis has actually been pretty progressive and that's a cool thing about it. And we can sort of beat the drum a little. So why not? I was going to, I was going to say that. I think that's something very interesting about tennis too, is that I feel like and I don't think they get exactly the same shine, but I feel like women's tennis has always been very close in equality to men's as far as coverage mm-hmm. goes. Um, yeah, probably out of big. any sport I can think yeah. of. The TV coverage is big. The stars, oh. like we know their names, we know what they look like. And and it to me, it's like, it actually seems very skill-based. Like there's not, there's one Anna Kornikova. You, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you're a so. sex symbol. We want you in the cover of FHM. It's like, mostly merit-based in a way that I feel like the WNBA, no one cares. No, no one does care. And I don't know why, um, although I don't really watch basketball in any form, so I can't speak to it. But But I can tell you, like, 
part of it is like, see it, be it right. Like, so like, you know, tennis has had 20 years on most of these sports, like really soccer for women didn't come into their own until the 96 Olympians. So like, that's part of it, which is just like, how do you bake in enough sort of runway so that eventually it becomes cool and competitive and there's enough. But I think also like for women in any, like tennis now gets like the fourth or fifth best athletes in America because it's hard and it doesn't necessarily have like the easiest road to hoe. Like if you're the hundredth best NBA player or NFL player, you are making millions of dollars. Mm, if you're the hundredth yeah. best tennis player, you're barely breaking even and making fifty k a year, right? Mm. Yeah, actually, I th- I think that part of it is interesting. It's not be- nothing because no, but I mean, I think that the 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 kind of the story of like the journeyman tennis player is something that I love. Like a guy. Sure. It, it's like being in a band that that makes it later in their career. Like you, you put out four records, and for whatever reason, the fifth record is the one that hits. And but yeah. but making a living, it, it's like I feel like tennis. The the only the top top players are making millions of dollars in the way that like every basketball player is a fucking millionaire. Totally. So if you're a kid and you're a guy and you're a good athlete, you know you're getting filtered out usually from playing tennis. So then, but if you're a woman, it's like, oh, well, I mean, in my case, I wasn't ever going to be good enough to play pro, but I knew I could get a free college education. And so tennis for me was like, oh, this is like actually a road. And I'm seeing people on my television who are making something approximating what a dude can make. And they're playing and sweating and, you know, yeah. uh, to your point, merit-based, like they're, they're, they're busting their asses and it's entertaining and it's great. So I think nice, the sport, you know, and obviously we can talk about like how and why and who did it. And cause it was a lot of hard work in honest, exactly 50 years ago, like with the creation of the tour, creation of title nine, these things are all related. But the truth is like, I've always grown up watching it. So it's been normalized for me. So now of course, like I would want to go and, you know, get, get the next generation of kids. So I think part of it is that too, which is just like, you know, it's, it's about representation and again, making it cool. Like I want more people to play tennis cause I think it's cool. And I actually think it's sort of democratized in a way that's really, really, really great. And I think tennis teaches you a ton of stuff about, you know, getting your, you're out there alone. It's extremely pugilistic. Um, mm. and I think uh, <clears throat> again, you can play it when you're 90 years old or five. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that, I mean, know. that's also, I'm, I'm not gonna let my kid play football. I can tell you that and like get CTE by 26. Yeah, no, that's not. I, I, I think that is the future for sure as far as sport goes. But I do think out here, at least in California or in L.A., I mean, the places that we that we usually play are too busy right now. Like it's too – you can't get a reservation in Griffith yeah. Park. You can't and, – and I think that is – it's also – you know, I think this moment should be harnessed because it is the socially distant sport. 100%. We're, it's, an, it's interesting you mentioned that. So those Vermont Canyon courts – yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like every time we go out there, we're like meeting, we had two people, our creative director and one of our photographers just kind of like met each other cause they were wearing racket shirts. And then we like got some, but neither of them really contributed to us before that, but they were fans and we got them like, it's, there's a group, there's communities that people feel like they can tap into. And now to your point, like, yeah, of course, everybody should be playing a sport that's like socially distanced and safe and, and allows you to get outside and not, you know, be confined within your four walls. Same thing's happening in New York. From what I can tell, it's happening yeah. in a lot of places. So I'm hoping like the resurgence of the public tennis court kind of like battler is, is on the up because I think for me, that was always what the sport was about. Like, I don't give a shit who's ranked top 10. Most people I know don't, they couldn't even name any of the players. Do you need to follow the NBA playoffs to like enjoy a pickoff game? No. So why should you have to like, why does tennis make you feel like you have to like, 
have the, oh, this is my string and this is my grip size. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I can tell you, you're not good enough for that to matter. I'm not good enough for that to matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. get, literally get a racket off the shelf and go run That's around. That's interesting that you That's say it. that because a lot of listeners of this podcast ask us about gear. And I'm like, I don't fucking know, guys. I buy what I, I, I just, I buy what I like. And maybe somebody told me that. Maybe I just like it. Like I go to the racket doctor, I go on tenniswarehouse.com and I fucking buy. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're also Nike Hive. So I feel like you're up on the, <laughs> latest releases I, look i love to be up i love to be up on latest stuff the problem with nike tennis that i find is i can't find it anywhere like it's yeah. hard to buy it like i i, I can't it's it's if you, unless you go to nike.com it's kind of hard to buy um, and most of it is i think nike fell off in the tennis realm and ceded a lot of ground to adidas to be totally honest but i feel like i do have some pretty good recommendations if you're ready for something. we don't talk well, about yeah, the stripes actually, on this podcast <laughs> yeah we don't talk about adidas i've actually seen you in the full palace adidas kit and it looks great on you and i will give you a pass you. for that because Thank that's you. a special product mm-hmm. but we are checks over stripes on this podcast it's a it's official. i mean i respect it what i would say that <laughs> is more than anything else i recommend is get something that will make you feel boss. And for me, most of that is not tennis clothes. And unless you're wearing like marking sneakers, wear whatever fucking shoes you want. I am a big proponent in like, don't let the barrier to entry be some like sort of arbitrary thing. Cause like, I, let mm-hmm. me tell you, nobody in tennis is dressing cool. Nobody. That's actually true. That's, that's true. But I wear mostly skateboard gear. I <laughs> truly like, Patterson hooked us up with a bunch of merch and it's the most comfortable workout gear that I own. So I mostly wear that when I play tennis, um, that, that palace Adidas collab, notwithstanding truly. And like, I'll wear anything that makes me feel like I'm confident, basically excited to be out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and for me that like, that's nine tenths of it because I just want people to sort of like get off their couch. I mean, I could like go go real nerdy about like gear and stuff, but I think the truth is like your racket is not going to matter. Although, you know, get something that doesn't feel too heavy. I, I got a lot of, um, my guy at the New York city establishment. This is like the racket doctor, although not quite as cool. Um, if you're in LA, go to the racket doctor. If you're in New York, um, you know, I go to sadly Paragon sports, uh, is one of our only options. And my guy there, Ari, who's, uh, strings rackets. He's I'm like, Hey Ari, what's selling? You know, what's like, what's happening in here? He's like, Oh, these guys are all these finance guys are buying this Roger Federer, Wilson 97. And this thing is like about a thousand pounds and people who don't play tennis are trying to wield this thing. And I see them out of the court. Like their like arms are falling off because they think it looks cool and they can't hold it. So I would say that's something that you can actually swing over your head. So Jason is fine with his Bape Wilson collaboration. Yes. I mean, yes. I, I make fun of him for it, but he's beating me. So I guess maybe he, he maybe chose well, right. Well, you know, s- some people who are stronger than you, Chris, are able to wield the heavier rackets, and they can <laughs> get a little bit more torque on the ball. You'll you'll pick it up eventually, I think. Jason, those twigs that you call arms, I don't see any strength <laughs> in there, but you do have something going on. I just I can't figure out what it is. Uh, I mean, I think some- you just said it. It's torque. It's torque. Mm-hmm. What I what I find most valuable personally is the is the Thorlo tennis sock. Whoa, old school throwback. That's my grandpa brand. My dad wore those too, but I wear them to run in and I just realized that running, my feet are just so destroyed from running that like when I'm playing tennis, I need to wear like a sock that's specialized to like make my feet feel good. Walk, a, walk us mean, through what, what this sock feels like, please, Chris. Well, the thing about them is they're really thick. Like they're, they're thick in a way that you're like, this seems weird, but then that padding really protects the toes and the heel when I'm just, you know, just split stepping into a powerful backhand, you know, to the left baseline. Mm-hmm. I just need, I need the socks matter and they matter when I run. And I realized that socks 
are a thing that people overlook, I think, if, you, if you're on your feet or you use your feet a lot for exercise. Don't sleep on, a, on to, a squishy sock. Exactly. You don't, you're not put off by the triple reinforced toe and heel. In fact, that's the feature, not the bug. That's the No, no, <laughs> I, I honestly I swear by it. I wear Thorlow socks to play tennis or to run. If I'm lifting weights and stuff, it doesn't matter as much. But yes, I sw- and they're only 11 bucks, which isn't that bad. I'm speechless. I mean, I feel like I haven't I haven't heard the name Thorlo since probably 1984, and the fact well, that you're keeping him may- in business, I hats off. I maybe you're, you're right. not. Stop. Maybe I mean, it's crucial. I think it's a bigger thing in the running community. To be honest with you, I think that's where they have a stronghold. But my dad wore them growing up, so that's why I was so familiar with them. I think so, I think in the tennis world, they're probably part of of the old guys' rule hive of you know the the sixty seventy and up crowd who you know the joints are all fucked up and those those thick boy socks really help them out. Oh yeah, I can tell you who's rocking the Thorlows in New York City. It's um, everyone seventy nine and older on the Central Park clay courts who get there at 6 a.m. and just squat on the courts for four hours. Those guys are rocking Thorlows. Ooh, I, well, I, I sense a little, a little, vi- a little uh, venom in your words right there. You know, if anything, it's jealousy because these guys have cracked the code. They mm. wake up early. They get four hours on the court. They're in their Thorlows. I mm-hmm. mean, they kind of hog the courts for the rest of us, but like they're living their best lives and they're not spending a ton of money on you know a private club membership and they're keeping the sport alive in a way that I'm like actually kind of like, Tip of the cap to you, gentlemen. So, mm. if anything, I'm jealous that they have figured this out. What is your get there? What is your go to? Like, what are the brands that you find yourself drawn to? Because that's what people ask us about all the time. Because I think we're so brand loyal in other ways that that we, they want us to take a hard stance on tennis gear. Well, know? actually, before and and when also when you do that, can you guess just by our personalities what brand of rackets that we use? A hundred percent. You're a Yonex. Am I right, Jason? Wow! Is that true? Yes. Wow! I feel like when we were getting our birth chart read, (laughs) I feel seen AF. Yeah, I mean, you might be like head rising, but you're definitely. (laughs) 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 Okay what what are the what are the characteristics of a Yonix boy? Um, it's like a it's like a missile. If you're a six nine guy with a lot of torque mm-hmm. and you're Keep you're talking. looking for a lot of action mm. then you're going to be drawn to that very unique square frame mm-hmm. all of the big men i know including stretch armstrong but another friend of ours vicente munoz who looks like he's winding up like a rubber band to like serve mm. they like the yonexes it feels like a very powerful racket um that i feel like not very many people can actually wield but also <laughs> it's um it's it's kind of an insider's choice like it's a bit of a deep cut you know like you wouldn't go to that first and foremost yeah um, wow i mean couldn't ask for a, a better response thank you wow i feel i i hope you feel seen because <laughs> i feel seen i feel validated i feel rewarded for this this representation is important okay is. and it, then it and then loudmouth chris what racket do you think <laughs> somebody like him would be using i mean i would hope knowing his personality that he would be smart enough to go with a head because I actually think those are the best. Oh, no. But you know he's not using the head. What did you say? I suspect you're with a Wilson. No, no, no. I'm a Babolat guy. Oh, shit. What are you doing with the Babolat, man? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I like it. We don't fuck with Babolats around here. Why not? Are you the team Babolat, the white one? Yeah. That's the only acceptable Babolat. Wow! Why do we I not got, fuck with Babolat on this side? Yeah, did they, they do something? They ever, did they what, get canceled? Did they, they, 
they pull their advertising or something? What happens? I'm trying to think of what the best ancillary is. Like, uh, it's kind of the, it's like the Toms. <laughs> damn. <laughs> You're in, damn. Tom's shoes we're talking about. Yeah, I feel like you're like, you know. <laughs> this is quickly becoming like- my favorite podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> Just because I know yeah. how much that must be hurting Chris at a, at a core cellular level. No. I've also but- seen Chris play tennis and he's a better tennis player than a Bobolot user would, in- oh, okay. would indicate. So I think it's time to level up, Chris. If anything, I'm seeing you for the person you are going to be. Your star sign is both a predictor of where you are going as well as a document about where you've been. And I think you're, you're headed to better waters once mm. you get rid of that Bobolot. We boycott well, the failing Bobolot team. But I have a great, I have great pink head grips on them too. So it feels like I, I add a little personality, you know? I mean, what better place for those head grips on a new head racket? <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, well, when we get off the pot, you can send me the connect to the head PR and I'll request. Yes, you happy know, to. I'll, happy I'll to. request it. I had w- actually one more follow-up question to that. I was, <laughs> I was listening to you guys. Uh, I was listening to your podcast earlier in the week, and you, you were making mention of being, um, you know, being around New York City and seeing all these people riding around in their bicycles with their tennis rackets in their backpack. And that was in, in exciting and inspiring for you to see. And then you, um, I don't remember who made the comment, but saying that a lot of the people, of course, have two rackets in their bag. And you had some some comments on that. And would you believe that Chris Black is a player that shows up to the courts with two rackets at all times? I... I uh, I will I will salvage Chris. On please this please please tell me your your un um your un, unvarnished un, unvarnished thoughts on people who have multiples of the same racket who are not I'm, professional players. I most certainly will. And as a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to that episode of the Racket Magazine podcast, I was uh, talking about this with my co-host Renee Stubbs, who is a six-time Grand Slam mm. champion, and she made the comment that it's absurd to see people <laughs> who absurd are not is a good word professional carrying around more than one racket. And I <laughs> took umbrage. I took immediate umbrage because mm. not only am I one of those people who brings more than one racket, I think people who only bring one racket to the courts are telling on themselves. So oh, we beca- had a- Because they, they don't feel that they have the power to potentially break a string. That... Is exactly right. People who bring one racket, <laughs> See, it's all thank on you. that one racket. They don't believe People, in the torque that they possess inside of them. Exactly. It's, it's torque. Maybe they don't play enough to be on the edge about mm. one set of strings. Maybe they got one set broken in just the way they like, but that also means they're living on the edge because they're starting to fray a little bit. So they See, that's right, I have a follow-up question for you then, Torque Thompson. What? <laughs> how, many, how many strings are you breaking on a weekly basis? I mean, let's be honest, with string technology where it is right now, Jason, yeah. not many. <laughs> not many, you I'm say. Trying. Wow, I'm shocked to hear that. I mean, uh, Monday I broke a string. This is just days ago. I oh, got one out of now, commission. So thank God I brought two. Did you get, exactly. get it caught in the door or something like that? Or how did, did what, it, was it? a cat walked yeah. across it or something? That's right. It, they're so tight. You know, I only use cat good, as you can imagine. <laughs> like, And then I step on them, like Bjorn Borg, to get the tension exactly right. No, <laughs> I was defending the conceit of bringing two rackets because I felt like it showed some dedication to the sport. Whereas Renee, mm-hmm. who 
can be a little uh, dismissive of the recreational player was scoffing at how absurd it was. And so if anything, I was the voice of the people Mm. disabusing her of the notion that people needed to. The voice of the people who can afford multiple rackets that cost hundreds of dollars. No, she's not buying rackets, baby. She's in the, she's in the industry. It's flow team, baby. It's flow team only. Well then walk us through maybe some of these perks of being, um, of being a tennis media elite what's going on that's right i mean there aren't as many as i'd like jason and i actually (laughs) on a daily basis kind of take umbrage i'm like why am i not getting the hot lava nike releases of Mm. the reissue for the air challenges Mm -hmm. why did i not get the palace kit soup to nuts when adidas came out with it you know like is there something cooler than racket i don't think there is uh i got a ball machine that was extremely cool damn that's pretty sick during this time Ball machine was dope. I really mm. want, if we're going to swag out, one of the things I really want is kind of tennis related, but more just like athletic related, which is these hyper ice booties you can put all over your leg to circulate yes, air yes, around yes, them yes, for yes. recovery. Are you are Ooh. you a hyper ice or a Theragun user for recovery? Not for the low, low price of nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I eventually, I was told I was going to get a free one for like two years and I didn't buy one. And then I finally was like, fuck this, I'm going to buy one. And it's the Therago- It's a must-have for recovery. Really? It's, it's changed okay. my life. I use, well, it, I, use it, I use it twice a day. Jason's a big user as well. Twice uh, a day? I, I use it way more than anyone, but usually on other people, not, not on myself. <laughs> I give and I give. Between, you do. between I mean, my girlfriend and my, uh, my life partner, Chris Black, I spend <laughs> a lot of time vibrating those fat ass thighs of his well i need you to get my, to. I, I need to get in between my shoulder blades you know i can't get that so the rest of it i can usually get but between the blades I, i'm really I'm doing, a lot of, I'm doing a lot of scat push-ups with my trainer you know so it stays tight back there you know yeah. you need it you need a tight mid back and then it, you need to decompress with a with an extremely high powered specific massager which exactly, i don't have to desk, so exactly well hopefully you know hopefully somebody hears that you know maybe but santa I, claus will bring one this year yeah, I, don't. I mean, listen, I was listening to uh, another episode of your show and you guys were, I think it was, you guys were, were, were stunting on some sweet green and then lo and behold, <laughs> I see on Jason, I'm like, wow, this works. You guys are really pushing the well, needle. Well, Jason, so. no, Jason's a known sweet green influencer for decades. I mean, since so the beginning. Nothing to do with how long gone. This is just staying no, un- 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 early. Unfortunately, that has nothing to do with how long gone, and I end up paying for the salads more often than I would like. I am so, an independent food fluencer. It has nothing to do with this podcast specifically, but it does not hurt. It doesn't hurt. I, maybe it's time to cross the beams. I'm just saying. Well, the problem is that as his co-host, I'm more of a, like, let's not eat guy, so it doesn't really <laughs> gel. You know what I mean? Like, the synergy isn't really there, but we, we're working on that. We're working on that. I want to follow up with something that you and I talked about a while ago, Chris, which is in the wellness space. So I don't think it's too much of a, a bridge too far, which is the Peloton versus Soul Cycle tribal affiliations. Hmm. Because, as you probably know, Peloton is now on like a three month back order for everybody who wants to cycle at home. But the Soul Cycle bike isn't. Do you do you get one? Do I need one? Should I, we be even I, talking with this, or are we actually, done? Where, where I, are we with this? I actually, um, I think I'm going to use Peloton for the first time today, actually, because the what? where I'm staying, um, there's a Pel- there's two Pelotons in the gym, um, and I've never tried it. But as a former Soul Cycle, I've done over 300 Soul Cycle classes, embarrassingly, in my in my <laughs> lifetime. 
Um, I don't want to talk about how much that costs. And uh, the, <laughs> but p- the problem is, and this is where SoulCycle fucked up, is that it's not the brand for at home. Peloton is. SoulCycle mm-hmm. is not that. It's just like no one even considers that to me. It's like Peloton only. And if it's on back order, I'll just wait, is, is the way it feels to me. Wow. Chris, you spent about $10,000 on SoulCycle. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, carry I, on. I wouldn't. Ten, yeah. I w- yeah, but I mean, look at me. I wouldn't do. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't buy a Peloton. I don't think, but I do think it's the blue chip brand of home bike bike bicycles. I agree. It did feel like SoulCycle was a little too late, too little with that entry in the market. But I wanted to keep my brand loyalty because I too dropped a bunch of money on SoulCycle, and my wife banned me when she figured out how often I was going. Well, I think the Peloton, I mean, the, the thing is that to me, I still think Peloton is like a fat rich guy thing, you know, to like have. <laughs> They're not athletes, are they? I mean, the people who use Peloton. I think Peloton, I, I like. It's fatties only. We know that. It's, yeah. <laughs> I like spinning only as an alternative to running when my body is just feeling destroyed to get cardio. That's like, I still get sweaty as fuck and feel good after, but it's definitely not the same as a run. It's a, lo- um, a lo- lower impact. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like to me, Soul Cycle, it got to the point where it was kind of easy. Like, if I didn't take the heart, if I didn't like Jesus, like find <laughs> the the real teacher, like the I know there are teachers that are hard. I I could do it and be like, I'm sweating and I feel good, but like I could do that again. I would only do I would only do the hour class on the weekend. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Chris was I nationally real, I don't ranked. I quite realized how nationally ranked at SoulCycle you were. So now I really need to realize. <laughs> I mean, this is this is literally the opposite of a flex because SoulCycle is so lame inherently. But it, is. it it weirdly it was something that I think also it was like right it kind of I was doing it and then I kept doing it when I was getting sober and I think it really helped me and it was like a program I could go in there and do I don't know it just I think I have a, a special feeling for it. When I know totally. it's, it's actually lame. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, it, would, it filled a gap between like really intense tennis matches that are harder and harder to come by nowadays just because I'm like a mom who doesn't have that much free time. And then also, like, I don't club anymore. <laughs> if I you mean, you mean, are you talking about Jason's industry of EDM? You're talking about I mean, Class Pass or you're talking about One Oak? <laughs> it's a great point. I, uh, you know, butter really. Whoa. Uh. She was a, Caitlin, we were at Butter on Mondays together. I, I didn't I mean, see I, I didn't see you there, but we I were I don't there. know. Maybe I was I don't know, I was like behind the velvet rope. I don't know how we missed <laughs> together, but No, I just I was in the back with Mary Kate doing Coke. So I, I don't sure, know. Yeah. Must have missed you. <laughs> but um, we our pa- ships in the night. But I feel like I go get music into a large sweaty room through like people getting married now, which is like kind of on the wane because uh. I'm forty and you know, so for me, it was like, oh, this is a really fun way to listen to some loud-ass music in a room. Oh, yeah, I never thought I of it that way. Me neither. That's a great point. And I think that I actually, the teacher that I loved, who, like, we're friends now, he's the only one I ever found that had good music Strings? No, no, no. Um, this guy, Parker. Oh, I liked Parker's classes. He did have good taste. I went to many of his classes. He played I'm like sorry, sh- I didn't see you there. He would play shit like, he would play like shit i was like damn this motherfucker really is on it like he's like looking up was but he also the thing about those guys is you want them to do a little bit of crate digging but you really only want to hear the best of the hits and that is what makes you an exceptional soul cycle teacher like when you play the you play the right drake song it might not be the newest one but you play the best one Mm -hmm. that to me is is the real win and also for me the 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 final cool down song really is a chance to shine 
Yeah, yeah agreed, I went agreed. to one that played some kind of like acoustic guitar mess, and I was like, never again. And the whole rest of the class I had loved, but that was the finisher, and I was like, we can't, we're not on the same page. No, I need Dua Lipa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure, like a slower Charlie XCX maybe, but certainly mm. not like acoustic guitar. I don't want to I don't want a no. organic instrument in my entire soul cycle experience. I, <laughs> I agree with you and I know Jason hates organic instruments as as an EDM influencer. <laughs> so we we know where he stands on that. No bongos in his soul cycle. Uh I, I do but I I do think the Peloton I I want to try cuz a few friends I have that have gotten it like one of my my friend Emil is swearing by it. He's like, dude, I've lost weight. I feel amazing. Like this thing is really working for me. You know, I can't figure out where I'm going to put it in a New York City apartment, but I'm closer than ever to convincing my wife that I need one. Well, I think you should kick your son out and make him sleep on the couch or whatever, and Great then just point. you know his his room. I mean, he's too young to know. You know, what he'll never. Yeah, he he won't remember. I think uh, you know we all have to make sacrifices, and this will be his. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Sacrifice is important. I didn't. I forgot that you were a soul cycle because you know yeah. at Barry's the music is historically so bad. Like, I've, there's never been good music at Barry's boot camp in my entire life, and I've gone two hundred times. How? <laughs> because I, I I just think it's soul cycle is rhythm based, so like there's so much effort put into music, whereas Barry's is just like we play music while you lift weights and run. It, it's so not why, the, yeah. I think for me, one of the things actually, um, when you guys co- are you coming back to New York ever? Or do you just live on the West Coast now, Jason? I know no. you're based on the West Coast, but are you are you uh, are you I'll done for New York? Or no, you jury's out. I'm, I'm I'll be back. It's going to be later in the season, but I'll be back. Well, I'm asking for a specific reason because one of the things we've been doing all summer is we've been gathering people at our public courts on the Lower East Side sort of like under the banner of Racket because people who read our magazine or, you know, fuck with our shit in any way just like meeting each other a lot of times. And we kind of took over. We've been colonizing us at a sort of corner of the Lower East Side public tennis courts under the Williamsburg Bridge because they were supposed to pull down those courts and totally totally, um, bulldoze the entire East Side Park. But now that look, we got to get the sweet green in there. Come on, we got to get wow. some green. So we've so Dave, my business partner, uh, in addition to wrapping up the Racket Magazine book out August 11th on mm-hmm. Peter Books, sold whatever books are sold. Flex. Uh, flex. Wait, wait, hold, we'll go back to that. I didn't even know that was. Go ahead. Just bought a giant 1980s breakdance style boombox off of eBay. To take the tunes on the court up a notch. Mm. Wow! So now so, we have a little bit of everything, and we got DJ Stretch Armstrong, our mutual friend out there, who play who's been playing for us um, upcoming hits off of his new record. So it's actually kind of popping off on a regular wow, basis, so, and I want you to be a part of it because I think you'd really like it. So you're and saying it's music that, based. You're saying that's more fun than me and Jason playing alone at 3 p.m. in Glendale with a Beats pill playing Wilco. Okay, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Whatever, I guess. I mean, I was ready to endorse that until you said Wilco. Because they're (laughs) a instrument, man. We don't don't want Jeff Tweedy with a fucking guitar. If you're going to play me music, it's got to be it's got to be beat based. We don't listen to we don't listen to any music when we play because I want to hear Jason grunting when I'm making him run to the net. (laughs) You know that that, that's really what it's about. Well, I'm glad that. Wait, tell me about the book. That's very exciting. I love books. Yeah. So, David, Maya, I I love that you love books. Love Uh, books, David. My co-founder just finished editing our first book uh, with this very cool lefty uh, house called Repeater, which is based in London. Um, mm. And it's basically the Repeat, best writing uh, from the first three years of the magazine. So we're so it's all the hits, all the hits, just the hits, like the 
best of the best, cream of the crop. Um, and he was really proud of himself because he got Billie Jean King to give us an endorsement on the front cover, but then Amazing. Stephen Malkmus to give what? us an endorsement on the back cover. Wow. Damn, the, that's, that's big boy blurbs. Who's got the Malkmus connection? I mean, big apparently he found our magazine somehow. I don't know how. He, I could see Malkmus being a player. Apparently he's a fanatic of tennis, so... For men we got to get Malcolmus. I need to. I need to interview Malcolmus for the magazine. I, I think this I is where sold. this is going. Sold. Damn. Damn. How, when can you file? That's. File file. <laughs> Don't talk to me like an editor. I'm getting triggered. That's, <laughs> that's really cool, though. That's exciting. So the book is out August 11th. The book's out August 11th. We got a Bro, that's in a week. collab coming next couple weeks. I know it's a checks not stripes household, so mm. I won't. No, but if you have a cla- if you have, what, you have a collaboration coming up. Yeah, we're we're re we're reissuing these really old school shoes from uh, the '70s called Forest Hills, which is where the U.S. Yeah, used to yeah. be. They and can't look like, they, they can't look worse than the Jonah Hill Adidas. I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, the Jonah Hill Adidas are not number one, but you got to assume <laughs> you're dropping uh, an iced coffee at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they look uh, cool. <laughs> so then they look cool because that's really more of a walking one block in Soho kind of shoe. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, that's actually exactly what I look for in footwear. Like, how does this look on Print Street only? Is where I'm going be with like V files in the background. Yeah, exactly. Look cool. Damn. Maybe. You just so get it. Got, you just get it. So you guys yeah. are reissuing a, a version of the of the Forest Hills Adidas shoe. Uh, we got like some like kind of old school Stefan Edberg for yeah. the tennis nerds among us who get that Swedish deep cut, um, sort of like a warm up jacket and sort of some old colorways from the seventies. So I feel like we have you know that's great. We're, we're we're trying to make sure people look. Tennis clothes suck. We are trying to in very small and incremental ways change that mm-hmm. but like, actually, listen checks checks out there nike hive if you guys are listening i mean look we're we're open to doing business we, yeah as are, as are we actually today <laughs> i got a lacoste concepts pair of collaboration shorts that are very nice that new creative director at lacoste is tearing yeah, shit she's, up. Is yeah that, she's amazing i don't know yeah. they're just black shorts but the 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 um the Lacoste crocodile is like a reflective. It's, they're nice. They're super simple, but I like would actually wear them. They're five inch inseam. You know, we don't like the nine inch tennis inseam. No, um, no, no. You're not. We want, we want to show as much quad as possible, but we need pockets for the balls. You know, so it's a yeah. tough thing to find. Yeah, although I think tennis should embrace the shorter shorts. I think the first reliably uh, sort of accessible brand who does that will will find themselves. Sergio Tacchini was kind of doing it. Lacoste are shorter than average, but these tennis guys, they like these long tubey shorts. It's embarrassing. I mean, I don't know if that's a nine inch inseam or if it's just, it's uh, just not long like a no shorts. homo thing long. for the male tennis players <laughs> that are just like, I can't show leg, but it's lame. It, 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 there's probably a decent amount of that in play. I, I mean, but, but, but short shorts are, are having a peak moment right now for the fellas. You know, at, since the early eighties, I have not seen this many short shorts. That's what's going on. And tennis was ahead of the game. Yes. So how dare we? Yeah. Relinquish this moment. That's yeah, we what I we, say. we need to give some credit back to big tennis and away from Patagonia for for <laughs> exactly for waving the flag of short shorts. It's true. I mean, although look, until tennis ponies up and reclaims its heritage, I mean, Patagonia is going to have to own it. I guess I don't know. I'm not <laughs> pleased. It's but. no. It's no one's fault but big tennis's own. Tennis slept on their own creation, and I think if anything, this should be a call to arms. The to magazine, the magazine comes out. The the Fendigrad, The magazine comes out twice a year, correct? The magazine comes out four, Quarterly. sometimes three times a year. How many? Uh, four, three. Yeah, 
Four. Okay, so it's quarterly. Um, we have our next issue actually coming out uh, in what day is today? Today. Two is weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Very we soon. We got a book, a magazine, and some merch. Is there anything you can tell August. us? Is there anything you can tell us about the next issue? Ooh, we got an incredible cover by a music uh, band poster designer called Aaron Lowell, who I think designed the new Muzz logo, you know, that okay. new um, band. He yes. did our cover, and it looks dope um, as hell, I think. And it's going to look it on your wall. And it's sort of an homage to the, um, uh, the essential worker. We loved okay. the idea of, like, people putting rainbows in their windows, which is something you saw a lot in New York. Yeah. Kids would sort of tip at the gap um, out to the windows. Um, so we wanted something that looked a little bit like that. Um, and we're calling it the solitary pursuits issue. So we have a lot of stuff that sort of talks about how interior tennis as a sport is because you're out there alone with your mind. So we got some mm. photographs from Stefanos Tsitsipas, who took a bunch of stuff, uh, selfies, who's sort of the um, you know young uh, Grecian sort of um, up-and-comer. We got Andrea Petkovic writing about being on vacation by herself in the Maldives, uh, somebody battling against a wall. Really, the theme was like, you're, whether there's a pandemic or not, tennis is a place where you can sometimes find yourself out there alone, and maybe that's yeah. a bad thing, but maybe it's incredibly I smell. Cool. I smell a Headspace collab. I also, yeah, yeah I smell a head, Yeah, Stephen Malcolmus reading Racket Headspace. I see a truck. From your mouths to God's ears, gentlemen. Well, that's, that, that being said, I, I wanted to ask, like, for a magazine company nowadays, like what are what is the breakdown in terms of revenue coming from now that you're making money from selling the actual magazines, advertising, collabs, endorsements, you know, the podcast, like where does it break down like you know, percentage wise, I guess, if if you're interested in talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually kinda interesting. We have we started this thing as a labor of love because we loved print and we wanted to give people something, you know, in their hands that was tactile and that felt like something, mm -hmm. you know, and we love Tyler Brule as we, as where we began the Big conversation. Brule. But I also, you know, hats off to Tyler Brule. But I also think like for us, like our mission is to disrupt tennis and make it cool. And what we found is that because we're direct to people who buy the magazine, because we, are in their ears or, you know, hands with a physical product. We don't need to go through a platform. We don't publish very much on the internet. Like we just don't believe in like finding our articles on Facebook as a good like user experience. Mm -hmm. So we don't do it. And so because of that, we actually have brands that come to us sort of to do advertisement, but that's not really what it is. It's kind of more like brand strategy. Cause they're like, Oh, you guys are doing cool stuff in tennis. Will you help us do cool stuff in tennis? So there's mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff that takes, you know, sometimes months and years in the case of this Adidas thing, but it's like, that's more about their effort to reclaim their story and heritage and talk about sort of where tennis goes and how it goes around the world and always has as in it, instead of being like, Oh, this is a cool drop for a thing. We're going to splash it around everywhere. So for mm -hmm. us, we find doing a little bit of strategy and storytelling around some of these things when we choose to, uh, as much more sort of like fruitful. And the other thing that we do a ton of, um, that, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be out in the world with is, you know, anytime we publish something in our magazine, it's sort of the seed for an idea. And between like sort of narrative nonfiction podcasts and films and documentaries and, and stuff like this, like the, the sport, as we talked about, doesn't have a ton of footprint everywhere. So we feel like somebody writes something amazingly cool about the tennis boom of the seventies and how, you know, Chris and Martina, gave birth to like the commerce and the like pinup 
in the eighties. And all of a sudden that can be turned into a film, right? Like that's yeah. how we're thinking about it. Cause nobody else is really doing what we're doing. We're not interested in like, Oh, this is who's ranked this, or this is what, you know, string to buy or, you know, Hey, this is mm-hmm. like how to improve your back end. It's more like, Oh, this is like the whole culture around it. And since we're here alone, the revenue breakdown actually ends up being about a third, a third, a third between the magazine and sort of these collab slash strategy things and then IP, which is really cool because it means we can sort of, you know, write our own destiny. I used to work for like big media companies for my whole career. I know you guys have had many, many, many run-ins with like what these big media companies do, how they act. Mm -hmm. And the truth is like they kind of lost the plot a long time ago when they were like, oh, we'll just give away our shit for free and, and assume that big audiences were meaningful. And the truth is they're not meaningful audiences are meaningful and if people are onto your shit then they'll come to your event they'll buy your shoe they'll buy your magazine they'll support your podcast and that tribe and they like meeting each other and hanging out whether it's you know on the lower east side of new york on a random tuesday or you know at mm-hmm. the racket house in palm springs because we happen to pull some cool stuff together those two things are totally synonymous and so mm-hmm. to me like that tribe is really what we're trying to build because it means we'll succeed in our goal of making tennis cool. And the money kind of is attached to that in a way that is functional, but hopefully not gross. No, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think what you, I mean, uh, obviously we've talked about this before, but I think what you guys have going on is, is special. I think the, the film TV documentary stuff is a huge opportunity just on a, I mean, I think people devour that shit now uh, in a way that hasn't always been the case. And even someone like me who's not interested in sports really like watches 30 for 30s and that kind of shit because it's just so good. And I think that the the, the last dance is the ultimate explanation 100%. of that is like that was like a cultural thing. I mean, it's obviously yeah. the biggest athlete in the world, but it's also like it was a cultural moment. and It was insane. So I think the opportunity to do that for tennis and what the magazine does as well, and this is what's important, is it's not – a service magazine. It's a cultural magazine. You know, totally. I think that that's what makes anything interesting is like for most people, they need more context than just like numbers and winners and losers. Completely um, right. And I think if you ignore that, like some of my favorite magazines and I know Chris, we have a bunch in common. Like I'm thinking of like, you know, Sarah Nicole Prickett's adult magazine. Like yeah, classic. there, there are brands, there are storytelling outfits. I mean, look, um, what you guys are doing, like there are nothing is ever just about the thing that it's about. Hopefully it's about, life and the world and people and you know humanity and not to get too like earnest about it but like our shit is not about tennis it's about like using tennis to talk about elitism using tennis to talk about you know globalism using it to talk about gender Mm -hmm. whatever and sometimes it's overtly political and sometimes it's just like look at some cool shoes in a cool place but all of it hopefully weaves together to be like oh i'm gonna trojan horse some ideas in here and make it about culture and i think that's what the last dance did really effectively like i don't give a fuck about michael jordan i didn't like him when he was in my face all the time, I didn't really like the last dance as a, as a sports experience, but as a cultural experience, as a, as a commentary on like race class, you know, the huge money making of sports in the, in the nineties and like really the emergence of like super, superstars in that way. Like that was, it had so many things to say. And I think that like anything else, like you don't have to like, or fuck with sports to like the idea yeah. that culture well, is, is pervasive. But that's, I think that's the reason that I'm attracted to music, music, even athletes, fashion. It's the personalities that make it's. That's what's interesting about it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, the friends it? that we make along the way, you guys. That's that's also <laughs> true. That's also true. Good point, Jason. Do you think there's any chance that we have a we have a Los Angeles chapter of these racket meetups? Uh, it's 
as soon as we can get on an airplane. Okay. Well, Canyon, is that your preferred? Uh, we can. We. I'm saying we can do. We can do a satellite version. Just and just kind of get you guys yeah, on you FaceTime. Can, we can just send you our Venmo and figure out, yeah. I don't know how the financials work, but I mean, yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm sure the day rate will be very respectable, but yeah, we can we can organize that. it all for that. you. If Adidas, you. if Adidas wanted to sponsor it, it's something we could discuss as long as I personally don't have to wear anything, it's fine. I'll, I'll let them know. Yeah, let them know. It's fine. It's Sooner not, than later, know. right? It, yeah, it's yeah. not personal. You know what I mean? It's no, no, not no. personal. I, um, Chris Black's going to need a, need a carve-out for his own endorsement deals. <laughs> exactly. You know how it is for us athletes. We have to yeah. have, We have to be very specific. Gatorade might get mad. You never know. You know what Labels the, what, out. What, yeah, what, are, what exactly. are your thoughts on Gatorade? We've been, we've been doing some throwback lemon-lime drinking after the games. Uh, have you? Yeah, yeah we've like, been doing some zero-sugar Gatorade. Are you guys mixing your own powder? Like old school? Uh, no, I wish. No, well, but we were discussing the, the option of that. Yeah, we, I, we, we're thinking about bringing a full-on cooler to the court. Yeah, just I, just like proof. a five-gallon bucket full of water and then dumping all that fresh pow-pow and gets, <laughs> yep. gets to chugging. Jason, I, Jason mixing it like a cauldron. Oh, I think yeah. so, too. I think, so. I think it's a good idea for us. I think it's kind of like a vintage flair that we can add, you know? Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think I'm jealous that I didn't think of it. Um, well, who who are some of the sexiest tennis players playing tennis right now? There's one that I really want to talk about a lot, okay. and his name is Benoit Pair. Benoit Pair. How is that spelled? Benoit. 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 Benoit Pair, French tennis player. Oh, okay. I'm looking at him right now. Man, Caitlin, he looks like a bad replay jeans model. It's it's quite diesel. Circa nineteen. Yeah, that's. I'm looking at him right now. He does have a. He has a beard, but it's it's a little on the thicker side for me. It's very manicured. But also, he he kind of. Does he? Yep. How how well is he playing? Uh, that's not the right question for Benoit Pair. The question (laughs) is. It don't matter. What state of mind? Or you can encounter a Benoit Pair. What I like about Benoit Pair is he gives zero fucks because he's a f- lunatic. So mm. when people ask me who should I watch, I want to like see something amazing. Mm-hmm. What they think they're asking is who's the best. But what I'm gonna give them is what's the most entertaining. Right. And I'm gonna give I, them Benoit Pair. I Pair's. understand that. I understand that. I Tweeners. It's... He does rope dopes where he will stop trying for a while and then he'll lull his opponent into submission oh. and then like come back and flex at the end of the match. He's doing something completely different than most professional tennis players are doing. Damn, you're, um, you're really speaking my language. This sounds right up my alley. And exactly. also, that, that, in a lot the of these player Jason thinks he is. So. Yeah, I, I like to have a bit of a drunken style where my casual. <laughs> spirit is taken advantage of and exploited 100%. and then and then i strike <laughs> strike like the anaconda that i am oh god 100 <laughs> percent. it's like i don't want to i don't want to beat my stuff. opponent i want them to be riddled with frustration for losing they'll beat against themselves me. Mm-hmm. and they'll yeah. beat themselves it's exactly what this guy is up to and if tennis were smart which is we've established that it's not they <laughs> would figure out how to market him as performance art because the other guy like him is Nick Kyrgios, who everyone kind of loves to yeah. hate on. And Nick Kyrgios, again, doesn't give a single fuck. If he's in the first round of a tournament where, like, in a town where he doesn't want to be, where he, like, can't party, where he, like, doesn't <laughs> feel any love from the crowd, he will not try at all. But if he finds himself in, like, a semifinal against Novak Djokovic, he's not going to drop a point. Like, it's nuts. That's but the coolest. It's all that cool. Is the coolest. That's the coolest way to be. 
It is. And nobody knows how to talk about him because everybody in tennis is super dusty and we don't know <laughs> from other sports how to talk about the various personalities. Cause again, like tennis has only kind of been played by a few very narrow archetypes for the most part. Although that that's not quite enough, true enough, just cause we've had like a bunch yeah, of it's, like, it's been everybody doing the same thing. And then John McEnroe is the one guy who would like, yell, yeah. and that's all people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like Agassi, you know, the outfits yeah. of Becker, like, you know, impregnating cocktail waitresses. Like they've been a bunch of cool personalities, <laughs> the women's side, just as much as the men. But in the Jim. past like decade, everybody's like super corporate and like everyone, all these big three are kind of like falling over themselves to be like amazing sports and like corporate friendly. And it could not be more boring. So mm-hmm. for me, I'm like not interested in like Roger Federer's like, you know, gracious post-match speech. I'm interested in like Nick Kyrgios getting defaulted because he threw a chair at the umpire. <laughs> yeah, same. Hot Jason, fire. I'm gonna, I'm throwing a chair at the umpire tomorrow. Um, also, in some of these Google image photos of our friend Benoit, you know, it doesn't not look like me. I will say, Jason, he's got a, he's got a real lanky, yeah. uh, sul- sultry swagger mm-hmm. that I would imagine you. Jason does. Jason, all of this is correct. Jason and sultry should never be used in the same sentence. He kind of looks uh, like if if I <laughs> fucked Jude Law. Is, is the vibe that, that I'm getting. You're giving yourself so much credit. I have to... <laughs> Caitlin, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I can't uh, thank you guys enough. What a, what a fantastic chat. <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited for the book. That's very cool. And that comes out August 11th, you said? Uh, on Repeater Books. You guys, uh, come join us. East Coast, West Coast, doesn't matter. I want to see you guys in person. Maybe, Chris, if you ever return to New York, you're, you'll always have a place uh, with Great. the Rackham Tribe. I Jason, appreciate you're that. welcome. Thank you're you. You're welcome. Anytime. No, thank you. It's and, been a uh, real pleasure. We'll talk to you <laughs> soon, Kayla. Have a good weekend. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.